Hey there, thanks for listening to the Frequency Teachings podcast. This is Julian, one of the directors of Frequency. Before we start today's teaching, I wanted to remind you about our other podcast, Frequency Conversations. This podcast is a sit-down chat with my wife Katia and me, where we talk about the Kingdom of God invading every space in every way. Find it wherever you listen to podcasts by searching Frequent SWE Conversations. Now enjoy our latest teaching. I want us to open up to a familiar part of Scripture today uh, out of Luke chapter 9. And I want us to pick up from verse 28. Um, And uh, if you've got your Bibles, it would be great for you to turn um, into your Bibles on your iPhones or whatever it is that you've got. I want to read some Scripture. Now about eight days after these sayings, he took with him Peter and John and James and went up onto a mountain to pray. And as he was praying, the appearance of his face was altered and his clothing became dazzling white. And behold, two men were talking with him, Moses and Elijah, who appeared in glory and spoke of his departure, which he was about to accomplish at Jerusalem. Now Peter and those who were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they became fully awake, they saw his glory and the two men who stood with him. And Peter said to Jesus, um, sorry, and as the men were parting from him, Peter said to Jesus, Master, it is good that we are here. Let us make three tents, one for you, one for Moses and one for Elijah, not knowing what he said. As he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them. And they were afraid as they entered the cloud. And a voice came out from the cloud saying, this is my son, my chosen one, listen to him. And when the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone. And he kept silent. And they kept silent and told no one uh, in those days anything of what they had seen. It goes on to say this, on the next day, when they had come down from the mountain, a great crowd met with him. And behold, a man from the crowd cried out, Teacher, I beg you to look at my son, for he's my only child. And behold, a spirit seizes him and he suddenly cries out and he convulses him so that he foams at the mouth and shatters him and will hardly leave him. And I begged your disciples to cast it out, but they could not. And Jesus answered, O faithless and twisted generation, how long am I to be with you and to bear with you? Bring your son here. And while he was coming, the demon threw him onto the ground and convulsed him. But Jesus rebuked the unclean spirit and healed the boy and gave him back to his father. And all were astonished at the majesty of God. I love these verses. It's the story of the transfiguration. We know it so well. It's the moment that God breaks in in incredible ways to um, reveal who Jesus is. And uh, I love the encounter that happens on this mountain. Uh, Mountains are important things in Jewish culture. In Jewish culture, mountains represented the place where God dwelt. It represented the high places where it represented encounter. When you think of all of the stories of God and how He met with His people, very often it was on a mountain. Think of Abraham and Isaac on a mountain. Think of um, Moses receiving the law on a mountain. It was just Incredible mountaintop experiences are amazing. I I love mountaintop experiences. I love it when God breaks in and you encounter Him. You have those moments where all of your physical senses are engaged with Him. You have those moments when He feels so close and you feel so dear to Him. I love those moments when God breaks in. I love it when God 
unveils himself. I know many of you who are watching this can relate to this, those mountaintop experiences with God. And uh, this encounter is incredible because right in this moment, we see this beautiful metamorphosis happening. Actually, it's, um, it's the word there for transfiguration is where we get the word metamorphosis. And we see Jesus being revealed as who He is fully. It's a gorgeous and incredible picture that's happening here. Uh, sometimes we can think of encounters with God as something that happens to us. But the reality is when we see this picture, it wasn't that Jesus was coming under the presence of God in a powerful way. It was that the presence of God in Him began to break out around Him and overshadow Him. Jesus was being fully revealed for who He is as the Son of God. And that's incredible because that same truth is for us today that actually there is this beautiful moment that when we begin to understand that Christ in us is the hope of glory, that the process that we are now on in terms of transfiguration or metamorphosis, or as the Bible says in Romans chapter 12, the transforming of our mind is about what's in us, the reality of heaven being in us, overshadowing and overcoming every circumstance that we're in. It's not hard for you to follow where I'm going with this. We're in a season of lockdown. We're in a season of quarantine. We're in a season where movement is not allowed, where it's not easy for us to do what we want to do because of a crazy virus that is impacting this world. And we could be tempted to think that we need to figure out how we can get more of God on us in this moment when the truth is He's already in you. And this transfiguration moment, this encounter where the reality of heaven that is in Jesus suddenly bursts forth and overwhelms everyone around Him, that is true of you too. This transfiguration moment is a moment of sonship. It's a moment where Jesus is fully revealed as the glorious, beautiful, breathtaking Son of God. J.I. Packer, who's a great theologian in his book, Knowing God, makes mention of an incredible truth that it would be good uh, to listen to today. He says that the same way that God loves Jesus and has exalted Jesus to the highest place, in that same way, He loves us, His adopted sons and daughters, and has exalted us to the highest place in Christ, not based on our effort, not based on our law keeping, not based on what we've done right, but based on the incredible truth that Christ has given us His right living in this moment. So the same picture of glory, the same picture of beauty that we see displayed on this transfiguration moment is true of us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's less about what's happening around us. It's less about what's happening with the circumstances we're facing. And it's all about the truth of who He is in us and who we are in Him. It's a sonship moment, this encounter. And what I what I think is so profoundly beautiful is that in Hebrews, I, I love the, the writing to the Hebrews when he's trying to describe the role of prophecy in the Old Testament. Um, I think it's in Hebrews chapter one, he says that, that in the past, God spoke to us using prophetic voices like puzzle pieces, uh, a year a little, there a little, but today in these days, he speaks to us 
through His Son. Elsewhere in the Bible, it says that Jesus, I think it's in Colossians, is the full representation of God and the fullness of His glory. In other words, if you wanna know what God is like, you need to look to Jesus. You need to look at Jesus. You need to see Him in all of His glory and all of His splendour. And here's the thing about that truth. God's language, the way He speaks, is not English, it's not Mandarin, it's not Arabic. God's language is sonship. And the beauty of the gospel is that in Christ, you've been caught up into who He is as the Son of God. So when God looks at you, He sees you as one who carries the image-bearing nature of who He is so that heaven is now firmly placed within you for the sake of glory around you. You might be feeling completely locked down in this moment, but I wanna tell you there's a river on the inside of you. I wanna tell you there's glory on the inside of you. In fact, some of you might be watching right now and you might even be struggling with some pain and long-term illness that you've struggled with. And, and you're saying, but when's my healing gonna come to me? When's it gonna come upon me? I wanna encourage you right now that even as you are watching this, put your hand on the place where you're sick because right now God's gonna break out and some of you are gonna get healed as you realise the glory that's in you is gonna overshadow, it's gonna metamorphosize, it's gonna transfigure your very body. You know, the Bible says um, in, in 1 John that as He is, so are we in this world. In other words, Jesus in all of His fullness, in all of His resurrected glory, we are partakers of that life. It's absolutely stunning in truth. It's absolutely overwhelming in truth when you understand that it's not simply about what's happening around you, but what is in you that matters. So when the pressure comes and begins to squeeze what comes out of you, is not what you were, but who you now are in Christ. The glory that is in Him is now resident in you. This is what's happening at this beautiful transfiguration moment. It's the affirmation of heaven saying, this is my Son. And the moment that you said yes to Jesus, the moment that you got grafted into Him, that same yes, that same sound from heaven that says, this is my Son, the Chosen One, is spoken over you. The only difference between Jesus and you is that He is begotten of the Father and we are adopted of the Father. I love what C.S. Lewis says, um, in some of his writings, he says, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of man could become the sons of God. This is a transfiguration moment for you. Your lockdown, your being shutting is a moment when you get to realise Christ in you, the hope of glory wants to transform everything around you. And I love these mountaintop moments, don't you? They're, they're just incredible. And and one of the things that I find around mountaintops is I've often heard preachers preach this, that you can't stay up on the mountain, you've got to come down into the valley, as if the position of who we are in Christ changes when we come down a mountaintop. You see, this picture, which is a prophetic picture of this encounter of transfiguration, is now an eternal reality for us. It's not that we come down from a mountain into a valley. No, we are always seated in heavenly places. We are always seated in Christ. We are always seated in 
as it were, on top of the mountain, as it were, because we are in Christ. I love this. The reality of Christ in you is meant to be unveiled through you. In this moment, Jesus has this beautiful encounter where he's affirmed as the very Son of God. But you'll notice that the two stories that the Gospel writer Luke is writing connects another son. Uh, We see two sons in these stories and and every encounter actually of the Transfiguration um, holds these two stories together. It's kind of like every Gospel writer wanted to make this point that we see the Son of God and then we see the Son who is demonised, who is oppressed, who is tormented by a demonic spirit who is disconnected from his father. And we see these two sons paralleled together in these stories. They meant to be read together. They meant to be read alongside of each other. And I believe the reason that is, is for us to understand that the transfiguration happens in the context of disfiguration. We see this disfigurated picture of a son and a father. We see this disfigurated picture of oppression and demonization and overwhelming um, anxiety and fear by this father and by the son. The two go together. They're not separate. I want to say to you that God somehow in his wisdom has designed it post the fall that whilst we get to experience the kingdom of God right here, right now, and we get to see healings, we get to see mighty deliverances as people come into freedom. We get to hear stories of financial breakthroughs. We get to hear stories of God breaking out. Both those high point encounters are meant to be sidelong with some difficult, tricky, unjust, painful moments. They go together. When we understand that transfiguration is there in order to bring transformation to a disfigured world, we begin to realise that we do not need to buy into fear. We do not need to buy into the rhetoric of the world because we live from a different perspective. You see, transfiguration and disfiguration go together, but one is meant to overwhelm the other. When I look at the news headlines uh, today, I see such disfiguration. I see fear and panic. I see anxiety. I see a generation that is being tormented by fear. I've got good news for you. God is at work in Jesus, transfiguring everything. His kingdom is breaking out. And even when it looks like we can't see anything, God is moving and God is changing and moving in an incredible way. I think it's incredible that the most prophetic song that has come out in this last season has come out of a a woman in Africa and the song is called Waymaker. I, I love that. Even when I can't see it, you're still working. You're still working on my behalf. There's this moment on the mountain where Jesus is talking to Moses and Elijah and it says he's talking of his departure. And uh, that word departure actually is the word exodus there. What Jesus and the writers are trying to illustrate is that 
He is the fulfillment of Israel's lining. He's the fulfillment of Moses' lining to lead people into the promised land. And so as he's talking to Moses and Elijah and the disciples over here that he's talking about his exodus, they would have understood he's talking about we're coming into our promise. But the thing about the exodus that Jesus is talking about is not one where He simply leaves the earth and goes to heaven and never returns. It's not simply one where He leaves the earth and He detaches Himself from this reality. No, no. The exodus that He was talking about was the doorway of the cross into the promise. And so Jesus, rather than leaving the mountain like Moses and Elijah did, Jesus walks down the mountain into the mess. He walks right into this moment of a demon manifesting in front of him. It was not a pretty scene. And and, and this man, this father who wants to be reconnected to his son, looks at Jesus and says, your disciples couldn't cast these demons out. And, And it blows me away because a few chapters earlier, we're seeing these Disciples becoming the miracle workers, seeing unclean spirits leave. The story tells us that He gave them authority over sickness and unclean spirits and they worked miracles. They did signs and wonders. Yet in this context, where Jesus comes down the mountain, His disciples have not been able to cast this demon out. And I kind of been thinking, why on earth is that? What is, what is that all about? They moved in power one moment and the next moment, one demonized kid they could not deal with. And I began to do a little bit of a word study to check it out. I began to understand something uh, of what's going on here. The word that Jesus uses when He talks to the audience who's now watching, He says, oh, 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 wicked, oh, twisted generation, how long must I put up with you? And Jesus is actually quoting some verses out of the Old Testament that Moses spoke over the people of Israel because of their unbelief just before they were to enter into the promise. How long, O twisted generation, must I bear with you? And when you look at that word generation, it's quite an interesting word because it's not just talking about a generalised word. It's not just talking about a generalised group of people. It's not just saying, oh, this millennial generation or this um you know, 70s generation or the baby boomer generation. No, no, he's being more specific. The word there is speaking literally of a generation that's connected to lineage and cultural heritage. It's a generation that has a predisposed way of thinking. In fact, what Jesus is addressing right in this context is the Jewish people at that time. And he's saying, oh, oh, oh wicked generation, oh, twisted generation, how long must I put up with you? And that, that word generation carries with it a sense of, a people who are predisposed to a thought pattern, to way of being. So, so for example, I'm South African, I'm mixed race. And my mixed race people group, and anyone who's watching this, I know I'm getting a whole lot of likes on this. We are predisposed to like fried chicken. It's just the thing that we do. Give us fried chicken. I'm celebrating right now. We are super happy in that moment. We predispose, we think like that. We are we are wired, we are hardwired to want fried chicken. This is exactly the work for generation here. And what Jesus is saying, this generation of people lived so overwhelmingly consumed by unbelief and thinking that God couldn't do anything that it had twisted their expectation of God. 
And the disciples, as they were hanging out in this context, began to think like those who were around them. And the result was they couldn't cast this demon out of them. I want to suggest to you in this moment of being shut in, in this moment of news and your feeds being inundated with stories about coronavirus deaths and uh, all of those things, economic collapse and losing jobs, that it could be easy in this moment to lose what God has done in you in order to accept the way of thinking of those around you. Christian, we're called to think differently. It's why the Bible uses the same word for transforming our mind as the word transfiguration here. We need to metamorphosize our mind. We need to be thinking according to our new creation. The Bible says that before you were in Adam, you were in Christ. In other words, it is more natural for you to be Christ-like if you're a Christian than it is for you to think like Adam in unbelief. I wanna invite you to change the way you think. Don't come under the prevailing generational dynamic and predisposition to unbelief and doubt and skepticism. Don't come under the um, generational, even within the Christian world, of conspiracy theories and end time speculation. Come right back to Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And the reason I believe that we need to come right back to that is for this one phrase that I see happening. As Jesus, the Son of God, casts a demon out of the Son who's been disconnected and disfigured from his Father. In the last few verses of that uh, encounter we read in Luke, he says this, give the Son back to his Father. In this season, we need to be those who will begin to speak words that go counterculture, that begin to prophesy destiny, that begin to articulate hope from the place of who we are as sons so that a lost generation of sons can be given back to their heavenly Father. I wanna invite you to not come under the stinking thinking of the news and of your news feed and of your Insta stories and of your Facebook stories, of conspiracy theories. Do not come under the generational thinking that we are seeing at work in this generation but come into the transfigured, transforming power of Jesus and begin to think like Him. Because right now, Jesus is not moved by the coronavirus. He's moved by compassion for individuals because He loves them. But the economic collapse is not moving Him because even in the worst moment of history, God shows up and shows off on behalf of His people for their good and for His glory. And I wanna invite you right now to not live in fear, but to live in faith as a transfigured people who've encountered the hope of glory, Christ in us. God bless you. And I trust that you've enjoyed this moment with me. Thank you for listening to this teaching from Frequency. In order to keep this teaching and our other resources free, we rely on donations from people like you. If you feel led to give, head over to our website, frequency.org, and click the Give button.
You can find our other resources like blogs and videos on our website or sign up for our mailing list where you'll receive exclusive content from us.